0: All right, let's dive into step four of the four steps of 201, which is sealing the deal, like making it happen. We got ourselves into the red zone and now we need to make it happen. And when it comes to being being a consistent hunter, the number of times you can capitalize on opportunities is going to, is going to be the difference between what makes you consistent or not consistent. You know, we only get so many limited opportunities, you know, the, the elk only steps in the right place so many times, and we need to be able to capitalize on those and not just rely on luck to seal the deal, to get that bull right. And, and actually there's some really great studies that show that the number of luck events or unlucky events is pretty consistent or standard throughout, you know, everyone, everyone has a pretty, rough, uh, evenly distributed luck event, right? But it's actually how you capitalize on luck per se and we won't get into what defines luck and what's unluck but when it comes to hunting i think this is very very applicable if you can reduce the number of variables of unlucky right you're going to be able to capitalize on those luck events that's when the bull comes in front of you you know you can make it happen uh i killed a great bull one time i was dead asleep and just got lucky that this bull came through right but there's a lot that goes into that. That's more than just this. This elk stumbled on. Like I was able to capitalize on it, and a lot of that was is because I, you know, I have been through the mental processes of drawing back my bow, ranging, and going through this process very quickly. You know, I here I was dead asleep, and an elk comes into to range, and I had to crawl actually get my bow, put my release on, range this elk, call call one, stop him, and shoot. But because I had been through that process so many times, I was able to say, oh. I got to, I got to act now and capitalize on my luck. So bull comes out. I think a lot of people would have been, Oh man, uh, you, that was the coolest experience, but there's no way I could have got it. And in fact, these, these elk, when I decided like, I got to go for my bow, they were, the cows were only 12 yards from me and I had just started crawling and I was like gone. And so it was like, I, I knew I had to capitalize on that luck event. The luck event was the Yelp coming out? Being able to capitalize on everything that happens after that, how you capitalize on that opportunity. So we're gonna dive into a few things here. All right, so let's let's talk about a few of the reasons why things fall apart. So why does it go wrong, right? Or what are the things that cause? Uh, the situation to go awry when we get so close, right? And so here's three of the major ones that at least have happened to me. And I would say these are probably pretty standard for a lot of people. And the first, first and foremost is timing. Like there's, there's always a bit of, of a timing issue, whether it's like you, you cow call and the bull just doesn't stop until he's behind a tree, or maybe, you know, you draw your bow and he sees you, all these things, they can be reduced down to timing, right? Which seems pretty hard to control, but We'll get to that. The next one is a range issue. I don't know, I've heard this so many times, and, and it's even happened to me. You know, it's like, bull com, bull's coming in, and, and maybe last time you, you got caught draw, drawing your bow, so this time you're like, I'm gonna draw early. And you range that tree, and the tree said 35, and he stops, and you thought he was 45, but realistically, he was 37. And, you know, like those types of things, like they happen, right? Miss ranges are classic. If anybody has archery hunted very long, they've probably been in that scenario where it's like, oh, I thought he was 25, but he was really 35 or, or some version of that. And the last one is, is some kind of mechanical failure. And this happens a lot. It's happened to me in the worst kinds of ways. And you know, whether it's just you know, dinking with your bow or maybe you changed out some gear right before a hunt, you just weren't used to it, uh, you got a new release or, or whatever that may be, like mechanical failures tend to be pretty common, pretty common reason for things to fall apart at the last minute. So how do we take luck out of the equation? Uh, and this is a great question, and just realistically, like how do we take unluck, right? So maybe uh, things fall apart and you're like, oh, I'm so unlucky. So how do we take luck or unluck out of the equation? First and foremost, get your gear right. Like get, get your gear that you're gonna use and practice, 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 practice. This is seems like 101, but you'd be surprised how many people fall prey to this. You know, it's so easy to like, I want to get a new piece of gear that you think is going to make all the difference in the world and you don't practice with enough or you get out there and, and whatnot and something goes wrong. Another one I see is, you know, people don't practice with their gear uh, all the time. You know, they're, they're not out there shooting with their gear, with their gloves on or whatever. And so, oh man, I used these gloves and this got hung up or this thing went, you know, f- was different. I, I couldn't see through my peep with my mask on. You know, get your gear right. Figure out what you're going to do and figure out what you're going to have. It seems one, but I see this mistake so much so 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 much and you know a lot of these are like how do we reduce the number of issues that we can have like of all the uncontrollable things let's at least control the controllable and then we'll let luck work itself out another one is train like you fight and you've probably heard this term uh you know train like you fight because you're gonna default back to that and one of the ways that i think there's a a giant mistake is that people and i'm guilty of this we go in the backyard and we shoot our bow. You know, we shoot 40, we shoot 50, and we shoot 30. Maybe we shoot 100. We come back, we shoot 60, right? All while we're wearing our Crocs in in uh, board shorts, you know, like laughing it up and just shooting our bow in a standing position. But rarely is ever that the case where that's our shot, right? And so when I say train like you fight, one of the best things, one of the best advices I can say is like right before you go on a hunt, the whole month before, start making those shots count a little bit more it's one thing to go shoot 12 arrows at a target and shoot a really great group it's an entire another to take one arrow and make that arrow count right and and maybe in shooting you know in different scenarios uphill downhill uh, one of the things I really like to do is just kind of walk around uh, you know wherever my targets are and I just walk around and I say here and I range it just like I'm in the field right I got my bino harness on. I got my uh, range finder there. I range that and it's like 37 and I got one arrow to make it count. And then I walk in and get that arrow. So it's not like I'm just getting better with every shot through a, you know, a six shot quiver but practice like you hunt and i really do think this is great another another version of this is like go out into the actual woods take a 3d target and stake it out and then range the tree next to it and and don't range the actual target and say okay that tree's 35 that that target's probably 30 you know whatever 32 or you know, 42, whatever it may be, and try to practice those situations because that's going to happen to you. That's real life situations is being able to say that tree's 35. That means that elk's probably 40, right? And getting that right matters. And so many people don't practice this. It's insane to me. The other thing within this is like, while you're doing all of this, you should be developing a system. I know I've been harping on it this entire time, but when you develop a system and a shot sequence, you're more likely to fall back to that in that moment of chaos. When the bulls come screaming in or comes running by and you just weren't quite ready yet. Right. And for me, I like to develop a mantra, if you will. So when I come, when I'm, you know, in my element or whatever, when I come back to full draw and I, I really start honing in on this when I'm doing my one shot series, but I, I will come back to full, tra- full draw and say, you know, level, steady, squeeze. And I've, this is from a lot of failures over the years, just rushing shots, coming back and punching that trigger and, and being like, man, I don't remember if I was on them or not, you know, and those things. And it's kind of chaos, but but having that mantra of level, steady, squeeze to me is like I'm so used to doing it that when I draw back on an animal, I naturally have to check myself and make sure I'm on target, right? And it could be anything, you know. It, I've heard people say, you know, come up with all kinds of words, but I, I don't think that what you say really matters, as it's a mental checkpoint, check-in with yourself to say, like, okay, am I on target? Are we, are we not rushing the situation? So for me, I'm at full draw on an animal. I always whisper to myself, level, steady, squeeze. And it just gives me that moment to calm down. And I start doing that in my one shot sequences before the season, you know, and some of this is going into preseason stuff, but realistically that's where you develop those systems. And then when you get into that situation, all of a sudden the elk comes screaming by and you draw back and you give him that bark and he stops, like you're able to, okay, stay on target, level, steady, squeeze take, and that's the difference is is like you're able to capitalize on those rush situations and, and make, make good on, you know, the few opportunities you're going to get, you're not going to get a ton of opportunities. So you need to capitalize on the ones you do do get. And by creating a system, not only are you trying to take out all these variables that could go wrong, like in the last slide we talked about, here's the things that go wrong. So how do we develop a system that negates all of those? (laughs) So at least there's a higher likelihood of this going right. And I, I think that's really important. And I I know I harp on it a lot, but developing a system for your shot sequence is really important. There's another lesson I picked up in, from competitive shooters. And actually, I, you see this across pretty much all professions. But one of the things I picked up from competitive shooters, um, thinking about rifle shooting in particular is, you know, physical repetitions are great. It is so important to have that muscle memory, to go through your sequence, to go through your, your system and like, okay, here's what I do. Uh, Last year I shot the six-hour hunter games, and it was really, really great practice because you go through setting up your your shot sequence so many times, it becomes muscle muscle memory, right? It's not just at the range and my guns on, you know, uh, on the sandbags, and I'm pulling the trigger and shooting good groups. Like this is going from there's the target. I got to get down. I got to put, use my bag. I got to run. And it's a rush situation. So you develop that muscle memory. And I think that's really important. If you look at any sport out there, like they, you know, muscle memory is really important. And I do think in the same principle, it's super important to go out there, shoot your single target with your archery equipment, right? And like have all the right gear, but what very few people talk about, and this is what I got from you know professional uh, shooters, is the mental repetitions, being able to mentally run through that process. Like a thing like hunting takes, you know, you, you just don't, you're not gonna spend eight hours a day training for it. But what you can do is make those mental repetitions far more times. And it's been proven that if you make mental repetitions of what you do, a task, then you're going to retain that information in the moments of chaos, right? So I can do a physical uh, practice, right? And I'm doing this and I have that muscle memory. But when I really start to think about it and mentally go through that process in my head, it's really wrapping that mind line even more and, and sealing it into my memory and in my brain. And and I, man, I can go from, from anything, whether it's Collins or whether it's like shots I've failed. I, I love to look back and say like, ah, oh, this time, and I'm just running through my head. Here's what happened. Here's what went wrong. Here's how I would do it differently and and those mental repetitions over and over and over and over are as good as, or almost as good as physical uh, rep, repetitions, <laughs> excuse me. And, and just going through that process again and again and again, like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. And this mental repetitions could be Everything from your shot process clear down to what your plan is. Like I I am still to like as we get ready for this hunting season, I'm going through mental repetitions of all the areas I'm gonna hunt, how I'm gonna hunt them, my hunt plans. I'm I'm just burning through those plans and, and thinking about, you know, where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. And so when I show up to, to the game day, right, Super Bowl, I, I just have it burned in my head, what I'm going to do, what systems I'm going to like go through, what processes, all those things. And so mental repetitions, I huge believer, huge believer in it. And I mean, you see it from pretty much all professional sports. <laughs> Draw early. Maybe this is just uh, you know a personal vendetta against a, a lot of mistakes I've made, and I, I didn't know if I should put this in here or not because it's not as much in the systems. But this is the best advice I could possibly give. You know, especially for those who are going to be calling elk and things. <laughs> draw early. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've got caught drawing my bow. And I think that's one of those rookie mistakes that it takes a long time to figure out. So I really wanted to add it in here. If for nothing else, is like it's a part of your system. Like You need to be thinking about those things, drawing early. You need to have that in the back of your head. As you see those antlers coming, get your bow back. Because if you can see his eyeballs, generally speaking, it's going to be tough to get a shot off after you draw. So draw early. Man, I think just think this is one of the bigger bigger things I've screwed up over the years. Uh, and I wish I would have learned this faster or, or better. Uh, but it's a huge piece of it for me. Oh, and the other one is, uh, keep a read in your mouth because it's one thing to stop them. Uh, well, it's one thing if to, to have your bow drawn back early, but if they don't stop, then you're, you're hard pressed to get a shot. Uh, <laughs> I, this happened to me even recently, it is funny because I went into that situation, a recent situation where I had two options, like either grab my read or get a second range and confirm my range. And I went for confirm my range and not grab my read. The irony is, like I had the range right, and this elk went right through a gap. And I tried to use my mouth, and he didn't stop. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you're still gonna make these mistakes, but if you can eliminate all those, all of these little variables, just like these little things like this, like I should have had a read in my mouth. I knew better, right? And so. Going through that mental process as you get close, as you get into that red zone, right? Like, okay, things are getting about to happen. I'm If I knock an arrow, that means a reed goes in my mouth. Like a simple system like that, right? I'll make sure my range finder is unclicked, like we're ready to go or ready to rock just in case anything happens, right? And then, and that way, I'm eliminating all these variables that just seem like they shouldn't happen, but they keep happening over and over. Right. So the more you can develop a system for like, okay, once I get in the red zone, here's my checklist, right? My mental checklist is knock an arrow, make sure, uh, make sure my broad head's tight. Uh, you know, maybe it's put a read in my mouth, uh, make sure my range is ready and available, like all these little simple things, right? Like those are going to make or break the difference. And that way you're not going through, you know, years of screwing this up before you start to do that. You're probably still going to do it anyway. But the point is have a really good system and live and die by it. All right. So earlier we talked about the 90-10 rule and I had kind of hinted that there was uh, the 99-1 rule. And now I want to talk about that 1%, right? That 1% difference. And honestly, the 1% difference is the difference between the people who kill consistently every single year and the people who kill an elk every 7 years like the average 1% is the difference between making it happen and i say make shit happen because you it's a fine balance and this is an art you're going to have to learn but there's a balance between you know letting that 10% let that elk come to you and knowing when you need to just make something happen. And I love the 90-10 rule. As an overarching framework, I think it's great. But I also think you need to analyze animal behavior to figure out if the situation, if this is your window, like, is this the only window I'm gonna get? And be able to say, like, I need to make this shot happen. When I look at the most successful hunters of all time, I promise you they are very good at knowing when to let that bull come all the way to them and let the shot develop and when that they're not going to get it. And this is their window, right? And a lot of that comes from just watching animal behavior, learning to say, okay, man, I just think this situation's, this is about as good as it's going to get. And I think that that is the hugest difference I've seen in, in very, very successful elk hunters and, you know, people who kill even every few years is being able to know, like, I got to make this happen. And when I say make it happen, it's like, I got to move around this tree. I got to step up. I got to come to full draw and just walk out. I got to make the shot happen because, you know, there's so many times in my elk hunting career where it just, it was, I thought it was going to come. I thought it was coming. You're like, oh no, it's not going to work. You need to be able to understand that. What's my advice on that? Watch body language. Go with your gut. Like that's a huge piece of it. All right. So to kind of wrap up all of step four, it's so important to create systems. And I don't want to say that too much to to make you think that like, this is supposed to be not fun. Right. And actually I think the reverse is true for me, having the systems and knowing that I'm going to be successful creates the fun, right? Like I get more opportunities, I get to play, I get to dabble, but I always have this fallback. And I, for me, it's a lot more fun when I'm not concerned, like, ah, what should I do? What should I do? I have a system. I I have a routine that I can fall back on and say, okay, let's test this. Let's try this. We need to get back out there. How do we find elk? Go through these steps, right? Like this, that's what makes it fun for me is because now I know I can find out. I know I can get close. And I know that if I get close and I uh, delete enough of the, the variables on the unlucky side, I'm going to get an opportunity. I'm going to get opportunities and one of those I'm going to capitalize on. And you know, that, that's you have to believe that. And I don't know the best advice on how to get out of your own head, but I do think that so many people listen to so much. They listen to every single podcast every piece of information on elk out there and they, they get this paralysis by analysis. And I don't, I want, I want you to like get out of your own head. Elk are not that difficult to kill. They're not unicorns, right? Like you can do this. And, and realistically going back to trusting your gut, go with gut instincts, go gut first, make stuff happen. And when you have a good system, you can fall to that. And, you know, just get out there, have fun. Uh, killing elk is a lot of fun being able to do it. When you have this superpower, of being able to hunt them in open country, being able to track, being able to dog that herd, being able to make those calls, like that is a that's a real superpower. So for me, develop a, for for me, my advice is like develop a good system and then keep dabbling, keep testing, and being able to push those limits and, and get close to elk. Like just get close to elk, spend time around elk, and. It's, and it's it's a superpower it's a lot of fun uh, i hope this guys i hope this helps you hope you become more successful because of this and i really really do think that if you implement this system you know this is a framework to build on top of like give yourself this framework, write it out, fill out the worksheet, and then you can build your knowledge on it on top of that, right? Like go, if you want to listen to podcasts, you say, okay, how does this apply to my system? It's a far more manageable way to look at the infinite infinite amount of knowledge or or data that's out there about elk hunting and say, okay, what works for me? What is my system? And, you know, maybe I I hear an elk nut podcast. I'm like, okay, how does that apply to what my system is, where I hunt and what I want to do? You know, whether you're in Arizona Montana, Oregon, it doesn't really matter to me. It's like, here's the system that you can build on top of and trust your gut, trust your gut, be confident, go out there, get it done. Uh, I hope you guys have a successful year. Please send me all the all the in, all the pictures, all the success stories. I would love to see it. And if you guys still have questions after this, I'm going to have an entire frequently asked questions section where we're going to answer those questions probably in video format and and kind of keep the conversation going. So if there's something that I, you feel like I didn't quite cover well enough, Ask away, I'll I'll do an entire video on it, uh, and and the, the last thing is uh, if you have a friend that you know maybe needs this framework, a hunting partner that you're like, hey, you should listen to this give them the, the send them the, to this, uh, to this framework and let them build off that for their success. Because, you know, having a hunting partner that hunts in the same capacity as you is, is really important and hunts in the same way. And so I hope this frameworks help helps you and your hunting partners, whoever you hunt with. Uh, and again, if you have questions, let me know and am happy to answer them. Happy to dive deeper into any of these subjects. Just don't want to overwhelm you. I think this is the most important I could give you after 500 years, 500 episodes, uh, interviews, all of those things. So I love talking elk. Uh, and if you guys want, check out our Wapiti podcast, check out all that stuff. I mean, there's a ton of information. Uh, one of the best resources we ever created was the elk compilation podcast. So go listen to that. Give yourself this framework first, go listen to that podcast second, and then, you know, apply these things this year when you're in the woods.